Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ or just beginning to explore who Jesus is, we invite you to join us as we dive deep into God's Word and what He has to teach us today. So listen in as we jump into what God has in store. Maybe you are the type of person who likes snow, or should I say in past tense, liked snow. Um, And it seemed or seemed about perfect uh, for the first couple of days. And then if you're anything like me, you were kind of ready for it to melt and go away. The piles of snow clothes that, you know, just kind of were there. Um, as you took an hour to get your kids ready and they played outside for seven seconds. Uh, the difficulty of getting anywhere. Um, we had to eat at home. I mean, we couldn't go to Mexican. Uh, it was perfect for a moment, uh, but then we were ready for something else. But maybe your standard is not that high. You don't have to have a beach vacation or you don't have to have a, a, a beautiful snow or anything fancy uh, to be considering a place of absolute perfection. Maybe just those quiet moments are enough for you. Maybe it's a round of golf. Maybe it's a walk in nature. Maybe it's just some extended time with family. And at the heart of each of those moments, whether they're significant or insignificant, is, is what I like to call this desire for quote-unquote otherness. We love there to be these moments where I get a break from what I'm used to. I like the change of scenery. I I like the ordering pizza so we don't have to cook. I I like extended time with my spouse. I like to go on vacation opposed to kind of the daily grind. Maybe it's a relaxing Saturday at home when you're used to being at two different sporting events and three birthday parties for your kids. Whatever the case might be, the reality is as much as we love those feelings of otherness, which is why I think we like all those moments, we always have to gravitate back to the real world, don't we? Because the snow always melts, prayerfully. The vacations always end. Kids grow up. Uh, Projects continue to come. But why do I have that desire for quote-unquote otherness? See, I think I have that desire for those moments, believe it or not, because from the beginning of human existence, God has put in our hearts a yearning for more. God has put in my heart and in your heart a yearning for something more than these moments, something more than the here and now. Solomon, who was the writer of Ecclesiastes, one of the wisest men that ever walked on the face of the earth, he very notably said that there is a time for everything. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to be silent. There's a time to speak. But if you continue on past all of that, which a lot of us have familiarity with that part of Ecclesiastes, but when you go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, we get a little bit of a clearer insight from God about the condition of our hearts. And what the writer Solomon says is that he has made everything beautiful and it is time. And he has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning till the end. See, the wisest man to ever walk on the face of the earth, he said that God has set eternity in our hearts. And what does that mean when we have eternity set in our hearts? It means that we have a yearning for something more. It means that deep down, we know that there has to be more about life than a a beefed up 401k. We know in life there has to be a little bit more than just having nice things. And these incredible moments, these incredible glimpses that we get here on earth always fall short. As good as they are, they always fall short. However, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, know that there will be a day after you die when you experience the eternity you were promised. There is a day that is coming when 
God will make everything new. God restores everything. And we see something so incredible when we're truly free and when we're no longer bound by any of the trappings of this sinful world. And so this morning, we're going to set our sights there. And we're going to dig into the Word of God, and we're going to glean some incredible wisdom from the Word of God about what actually happens after we die. What actually happens in heaven? And I can't wait for this moment specifically. I'm praying for excitement to grow in your heart and excitement to grow in your life and for there to be a renewed sense of passion to share the good news of Jesus with all those around us because of the promise of what is to come, because of the otherworldness that we will experience because of Jesus Christ. If you have that relationship with him and if you've committed to walk with him. And so this morning, I want you to join me in prayer and ask God to speak to your heart and ask God to make things so abundantly clear to you about how he wants you to grow and how he wants you to be more passionate about sharing this good news with your friends and your family and with those that we come in contact with so that they can experience life after this. As good as this is, praise God, there's more. And as awesome as this is, these glimpses that we get, it's pale in comparison about what is to come. And so we're going to dig into the Word of God today to ask Him to show us that and to give us just a deep sense of excitement and joy to share this with all of the people in our lives. So before we go any further, will you join me in prayer? Lord, thank you for this day. What a joy it is to be together. I thank you for the beautiful days and the beautiful week that we have had and the beautiful sunshine that is in the sky right now. And I thank you for worship. I thank you for every person who's assembled in this place. As we've been reminded already today, God, we're not here by accident. And so I pray that you would show us what it is that you want to show us today and that you would give us a glimpse of the life to come and what comes, God, after we die if we have that relationship with you. So thank you again, God, for meeting us here. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And we ask all these things. Amen and amen. If you're new to Rolling Hills today, we are in the third of a four-week series about this incredible place called heaven. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first two if you've not had a chance uh, to be a part of those uh, first two sermon series. Because contrary to what some people might think, heaven is an actual place. Heaven is an actual place. Did you know that the Bible has over 500 references to heaven? And if we know Jesus Christ, and if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we immediately go to heaven when we die. But what you may not know is that where you go if you die right now is really present heaven, or maybe you've referred to it as temporary heaven to help you better understand that. But Jesus promised us that he is going to come back again. He hasn't come back for the second time, but he's going to come back again. And then God is going to come down out of heaven to create a new heaven and a new earth. And when that happens, those that know Jesus will be resurrected. Those who have already died in temporary heaven will be resurrected first. And all of us who had a relationship with God, from Moses to your grandma, will have a resurrected body and will enter the new heaven and the new earth. And some of you are confused. I can see it already. You're like, what? Temporary heaven? What's that mean? Present heaven? Well, you got to come back next week because we're going to unpack that a little bit more. But you can rest assured that your loved ones who have already died, that knew Jesus Christ, they are in heaven. And when you die, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will have a resurrected body. And you will go to the new heaven and the new earth, meaning that it's not just our spirit that goes to heaven, but it is our actual bodies. And as we have titled this week's sermon series, What You Do in Heaven, that's one of the things you have to understand above all, that we don't just go to heaven as a spirit, 
but we have a resurrected body, which means that there's things we're going to do there, that there's things that we're going to engage in, that we will be a person there. So go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. How cool is this? If you're a little confused, that's okay. Because we see a lot in Scripture about what's going to happen after we die. But we also know that a lot of this is really unfathomable. A lot of this is hard for us to even begin to wrap our minds around. But I particularly want to look at what we're referring to as the new heaven and the new earth when God comes down and establishes everything new. And we're going to seek to answer some of those questions that you have about what will we actually do in heaven. Now, as we've alluded to a couple times already in this series, we have some misconceptions about heaven. We have some pretty severe misconceptions, and some of those misconceptions center on what happens when we're actually there. Now, not to burst anybody's bubble, but we do not see in Scripture that you get wings. We don't see in Scripture that you get a cloud that's your personal transportation device. We don't see in Scripture that you get a harp. Maybe you will, but we don't know that for sure. You don't become an angel. You don't get wings. But let's look at what we know. And what we know about heaven largely comes from the Apostle John, because John was given a revelation from God for us. And that revelation is aptly called Revelations, the last book in the Bible, the one that you get to in your Bible reading plan, and you're like, "Mm, maybe I'll find a sermon series on this, because this is just really confusing. What's all these trumpets and seals and new heaven and new earth all about? But that was a revelation that God gave to John so that we could have a glimpse of what is to come, and so that we can have a deeper understanding of what happens after this life, because our hearts, again, are set on eternity, as Solomon said. So this glimpse of heaven that was given from God to John should be exciting to each and every one of us. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So John says that there's this new heaven and this new earth that God is going to establish, where God comes down out of heaven. Now, question for you, has God come down already? Yes. Remember back in December when we celebrated Christmas? Emmanuel, God with us. God has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. But he promises us all throughout Scripture. The prophets prophesied about it. The apostles were looking forward to it. If you recall last week when Jesus ascended back into heaven, they were all staring up in space waiting for him to come back down. And the angel of the Lord appeared and said, you don't need to look up anymore. He's going to come back the same way that he went up. And you may recall last week I said we are in that same point in history, right? We're at the same point in history where we are now also just like John and Peter and Paul and Mary. We're waiting for him to come 
back. And that has not happened yet, but when he comes back, it says this loud voice is going to proclaim that God himself will be with us. And if you don't hear anything else that I say today, and if you are all about speculating what will we do and what will we not do there, I I want you to know as clear as anything, there is no question about this, about what will we do in heaven. And you see this here on your notes. In heaven, we know with full certainty we will see the face of God. Wow. In heaven, we know with full certainty we will see the face of God. See what we know about the world right now in its current state is that people are not capable of seeing the face of God. You and I could never see the face of God right now. Why could we not see the face of God? Because of our sin and because of our brokenness. But if we die with a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we are no longer broken and we will spend an eternity with him. Sin will no longer have any dominion over people. And God will come to us and God will be with us, meaning that for eternity, we will praise him. And for eternity, we will worship him. And for an eternity, we will be with him. And right in the book of Revelation, specifically in chapter 22, it says, we will look upon his face. We will look upon the face of God like we're looking at the faces of one another right now. See, we're not capable of that today. But someday we will be capable of that. I want you to think about those moments um, here on earth that are so powerful and are so spiritual and are so holy for us. Maybe you've been a part, and we've had many of these here in this place. Maybe you've been a part of what you would say, that was just a really powerful worship service. Or that was a really powerful encounter that I had with God. Or have you ever been out at maybe one of the most beautiful sites that you've ever been to and you stand with awestruck wonder at the creation of God? Has that ever happened to you all before? For some of you, it's the beach. For some of you, it's the mountains. For some of you, it's just something, maybe that a mountain that rises out of the sea and you look at it and you think to yourself, how could anybody see this and believe that all of this was accidental? Because you know that there is a divine creator who loves you. See, all of those moments that you have prayerfully, you sit in those moments, or I do anyway, I sit in those moments and I just want them to linger. Do you guys ever relate to that? And you think to yourself, man, that worship moment was so cool. I just want it to linger. I just want to feel the way that I'm feeling right now for a long time. Or you stand with awestruck wonder of, God's creation, and you think to yourself, do we really have to go home? Do I have to really get back to my everyday way of living because I just want to stay here in this moment? For those of you that are parents, there's years of your kids' lives that, let's just be honest, they're a little bit more enjoyable than others. We're at a season right now that, in our family, that I just want to hit pause on. I was laughing with some of my coworkers recently. I said, I want to pause right now. And I have some coworkers that have little ones, like ones and two-year-olds at homes, and they're like, oh, I don't know about pausing right now. <laughs> but we have a six-year-old and a 10-year-old, and prove me wrong, but right now, I just want it to pause for a second because everybody can take care of themselves. Everybody can feed themselves. Everybody can go to the bathroom by themselves. And they still think that I'm pretty cool. And I want it to linger there in that moment. But see, in those moments that we have right here on earth, they adjust back to something different. But what's so cool about 
the residence that we will have in the new heaven and the new earth is that we don't have to want things to linger anymore because they just will. We don't want those moments to be extended because they already will be. We're not going to be left wanting more because we're already going to get more. Now, that doesn't mean that heaven's going to be an eternal sermon. As exciting as that sounds, that's the preacher. (laughs) Heaven is not going to be an eternal sermon. But what it does mean is that we're going to be in the presence of God. And here's the kicker. No theologian or no Bible teacher, as good as they are right now, can actually tell you how that's going to feel because none of us have experienced it just quite yet. Praise God, our hearts are set towards that, though. And that's what the writer of Solomon was talking about, that our hearts are set on eternity. We're looking forward to that day to experience something that people this side of heaven have yet to experience. But we know that some things are going to happen in the presence of God. When we're standing and looking into the face of God, there's some things that are going to happen. Back to Revelation chapter 21, it says in verse 4 that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, that there will be no more death, there will be no more mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You see this on your notes, but what we know without doubt in heaven is that the pain and the disappointment and the anxiety and the struggles that plague us on earth today will not be in heaven. The pain and the disappointments and the anxieties and the struggles that plague us on earth today will not be in heaven. And to that, I passionately say, bring it on. Lord, be near That's why, as followers of Jesus Christ, we look forward with great anticipation and excitement about this day because we know that the pain and the disappointment and the struggles that plague us on earth today because of our sin will not be in heaven. God will wipe away tears from our eyes. And there'll be no more death. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more migraines. There'll be no more back pain. There'll be no more unmet expectations. There'll be no more debilitating anxiety. There will be no more comparison between you and someone else. There'll be no more financial struggles. In his presence, all of those things will cease. If you recall back at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, when God created this perfect garden for man and woman to reside in, there was no pain and there was no disappointment there was no frustration. In fact, Adam and Eve worked and they toiled and the work was not stressful to them. The work was not a struggle to them. I mean, goodness, they didn't even care that they weren't wearing clothes. But it was only until sin entered the world that humanity experienced struggles and humanity experienced frustrations. See, when you think about heaven and what's to come, heaven will basically be Eden restored. It will be back to where it all began. It will be a place of perfection. And throughout scripture, you see that heaven will be beyond what our human finite brains can even fathom here and now. But heaven will have components and things and places and people that we are accustomed to. It's kind of like if you restore something back to its original settings. It wipes away all of the junk. If you restore something back to its original settings and do a hard reset, then all of the issues and all the little bugs and all the little things that were causing problems, those things cease. And it's what happens in heaven as we get restored to what God originally designed and originally designed for us to be in a place of perfect relationship with him. But when you think about what heaven's going to be like, I mean, you have to think about what happens here on earth. 
because he creates a new heaven and a new earth. See, I know people here. I have a job here. I have relationships here. I enjoy looking at sunsets here. All those things on this side of heaven, all those things are here and now. But those things will also be in heaven. They'll just be restored. Those things will be present, just restored. See, what do we know about heaven throughout Scripture? And you see this here on your notes. We know that heaven will be a place of complete renewal. Heaven will be a place of complete renewal. Head back to the text in verse 5 of chapter 21. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God promises us that he's going to make everything new. And if you keep going in the book of Revelation, we're, we're taught about what this place actually looks like. And we're taught about what is going to happen there. It says that there's going to be cities and there's going to be landscapes. If we know anything about cities and landscapes, we know that there's mountains and there's beaches and there's walls and there's structures. It says in Revelation 21.10 that there will be a city. And what do cities have? Cities have walls and cities have gates and cities have streets and cities have buildings and cities have foundations. We're taught in Revelation 21, verses 11 through 14, that there will be buildings and there will be foundations, but it will not be brick and mortar as we're used to here in this earth. It will be completely renewed. The foundations and the walls will be made of jasper and precious stones throughout the foundations of these buildings. But I say all of this to say that sometimes we bought into this misconception that heaven is just this place of spirit. Where in all actuality, we have a resurrected body that goes to a place. And this place is completely renewed. But it's not like we just float on clouds there. We have places that we go to. And there's structures that are there. And there's things that we do particularly. Head back with me to the text in verses 22 through 27. John says, I did not see a temple in the city. Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. What will not be there? There's not going to be a temple there. There's not going to be church buildings like we have here. There's not going to be a house of worship Because when you and I are in the direct presence of God and when you can see the face of God, you no longer come together in these assemblies like we're in now because we're directly with him and we're directly worshiping him. It also says there's going to be no need for the sun or there's going to be no need for the moon because the light of God will be all that we need and that light will be directly provided to us. We're also taught that heaven is going to be a place of complete renewal between groups of people. It says it right here. There's not going to be division. There's not going to be hate. But these distinct groups of nations will walk by the light of God. I mean, look in verse 26. It says, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. I love this verse because I feel like our heart should always be bigger than our little piece of real estate right here. 
And our sight should always be set larger than just what's happening in Tennessee or just what's happening in the United States of America, but that we should be people who have our sights set on what God is doing across the globe and that we're called to call people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're told that the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into heaven, meaning that you're eternally going to be worshiping with brothers and sisters from every tribe and every tongue and every nation that you're going to be worshiping with people that don't look like you, that you're going to be worshiping with people whose backgrounds are different from yours. But we're also taught that nothing impure will be there. Nothing impure will be there. Keep going in chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will, not be, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. John receives in this revelation from God about the new heaven and the new earth that followers of Jesus Christ go to, and those who have been called first to go be in heaven that... In this place, there's going to be rivers, and there'll be trees, and there'll be crops. And what happens with a crop? Someone has to tend to it, because it says that crops will yield, and crops have to be tended to by people. People have to work. People are going to have jobs. There's things that we're going to do there. But it also says that there's going to be no night in heaven, because we won't need it. Now, for all of you nappers out there, take note. Um, because you, that just really threw you for a loop. And you were like, hmm, we're not going to sleep there? Because that's like my jam here. You know, that's like, I'm already looking forward to that this afternoon. And so that's not going to be there. Well, rest assured in Revelation chapter 14, it says that we will rest in heaven. But take note, Sleep is a necessity right now because without it, we cannot live because we are human. If I don't sleep here on earth, eventually I am going to die. Praise God in heaven, you can sleep for the joy of it, for the renewal, because it's a place of complete renewal, but you don't have to. Why? Why do I have to sleep right now? Because I am bound by it. Without it, without that hard reset on my body, my body will not continue because my body is finite. But there, I will have a resurrected body that's no longer held captive by all the finite things of this earth, meaning my presence and my body are all renewed by God. In fact, as you see there on your notes, just because you are in heaven, work, activity, relationships, creativity, and discovery will not cease. Just because you are in heaven, work and activity and relationships and creativity and discovery will not cease. How do we know that? Well, let's just go back to some of the texts. Work. How do we know that we'll have work to do there? Because it specifically told us that of one of the things, there's going to be crops and that crops will have to be tended to. We're going to have activity. We're going to have places that we have to take care of. In John 14, 2, it says, my father's house, in reference to heaven, has many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? There will be many rooms there. 
There'll be places that you live. There'll be places that you do your activity. How about relationships? And how about marriage? Will I know people there? Will I be married in heaven? This one throws people for a little bit of a loop. But in Matthew chapter 22, verses 30, Jesus addressed that question. Who will I be married to in heaven? Or will I be married in heaven? And what Jesus specifically said is that at the resurrection, this is in Matthew twenty-two thirty, 30, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Jesus said that in heaven, we will not marry. We will not be given in marriage to other people. Why? Because we will be the bride of Christ. Marriage here on earth is just a picture of what is to come. But will we know people? Will we be in relationships with people? Of course we will. It's absurd to think that we wouldn't know people in heaven because we have resurrected bodies. It says we have a resurrected body. The scripture doesn't say you get a brand new face. (laughs) It says you get a resurrected body that's no longer held captive by the sin of this world. I don't get a complete makeover, but a resurrected body. And in those moments of having that resurrected body, what would lead us to believe from Scripture that we're not going to recognize people? Nothing in Scripture tells us that. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, I, I love this text because this is written to a group of believers who are struggling. This was written to a church that was really struggling. And, and I want you to listen to what God revealed about those who have gone before. Picking up in verse 13, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Why would there be a word of encouragement to a church that was struggling and to a people that were downtrodden about those who have gone before will be called up first. Those who are dead with Jesus right now will be called up first. Those of us who are still alive when Jesus returns, we will also be called up with them. But it says that together we're called up and that we meet in the clouds. And then it says, encourage one another with these words. This word was from God to people who were struggling so that they would be encouraged, so that they would have just a little bit of a picture of what is to come. And so even though Jesus himself says that that marriage relationship ceased to exist there, it would be absurd for us to think that the relationships that we have and the knowledge that we have to be able to recognize people and to know people, why would that cease to exist? J.C. Ryle, uh, who's a great theologian, he says particularly about this passage that I just read, and I quote, it's here on the screen, there would be no point in these words of consolation if they did not imply the mutual recognition of saints. The hope with which he cheers wearied Christians in the hope of meeting their beloved friends again. In the moment that we who are saved shall meet our friends in heaven, we shall at once know them and they will at once know us. See, heaven will be an ultimate place of creativity, 
Heaven will be an ultimate place of discovery. Heaven will be an ultimate place of us spending an eternity seeking and looking at the face of God, worshiping Him, but also being with one another of every tribe and every tongue and every nation across the land. People ask me sometimes, will animals, animals be there? Absolutely. It says there's a lion and a lamb and they lay down together. Now, will you know Fluffy there? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible has been silent on that. But we do know that we have purpose and we have meaning and we have activity in heaven. But here's the catch. If you've gotten lost in the weeds of everything that I've said today, which I hope has not happened, but if you have gotten lost, then tune back in for just a second because this is, this is the creme de la creme. Here's the catch. All of your responsibilities in heaven will be free from the curse of sin. All of your responsibilities in heaven will be free from the curse of sin. Head back to Revelations chapter 22, verse 3. It says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. Think back to the Garden of Eden. Because as Eden is restored, think about what it was originally like, what God's original design for humanity was. They had roles, they had responsibilities, they had tasks, they had relationships, they had food, and they were in the presence of God. And you think about that beautiful place that God had created, there was no sense of frustration with work. There was no desire to get ahead of anybody else. There was no pride. And all of those things that we now experience, because we experience pride and frustration and pain, all of those things that we experience right now, they are a result of the fall. And they are a result of sin entering the world. Because of sin, it says in Genesis chapter 3, that women will have pain in childbirth, that labor will not be pain-free. That's because of sin. It says in Genesis chapter 3 that work will be a toil, that the ground will produce thistles and the ground will produce thorns. And it says, by the sweat of our brow, we will eat food. And because of sin, we also know the difference between good and evil. See, sin opened the door for us to see that there was a different way than God's way. And you and I have continued to struggle with that since the fall of man. And we will continue to struggle with that until this glorious coming back of God coming back to the earth. And until we get to heaven, these struggles will always be present. But praise God, in heaven, all of those responsibilities that we have, all of the existence that we have, it will be free from the curse of sin. Can you imagine being in relationships with one another and never wondering about or worrying about trying to get ahead? Being in relationships with others and never comparing yourself to anybody else. Being in a resurrected body so that there's never pain, there's never disappointment, there's never hurt. Having a job that you never not want to do. <laughs> Having responsibilities that you always are so excited to lean into. Why? Because the presence of God is there. And my hope and my prayer is that these words provide you peace. And my hope and my prayer is that these, these words from God provide us a sense of comfort. And my hope and my prayer is that this, this, this view that John gave us, that it would say, you know what, I want to be more excited about going there than I am about the here and the now. And when my excitement grows for what is to come, what I hope and pray would happen to us is that our excitement to say, you know what, I want other people to be there as well that that would also increase. And that I would say, you know what, there are people in my life 
that will not experience what we're talking about right now because they do not have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And so may this view that God gives us, may this eternity that he has set up on our hearts remind us that there is a lost and dying world out there who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as excited as we are about what is to come, may we also be excited about sharing that good news with others and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who are broken so that they can experience what is to come as well. So our hearts are set on this, and we come with eager anticipation and eager excitement for what is to come. More than the here and the now, our hearts are set on eternity to experience Him. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you want to learn more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app, Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.